0: Large global technology firms will, according to Deloitte, reach 33% female representation in their workspaces. While the industry takes a broad variety of actions around recruiting, talent development, and flexible work schedules to increase female representation and leadership, the unfortunate reality is that women are leaving companies at a 45% higher rate than men. Companies are failing to retain and advance women, and at the same time, they need women to succeed because as we all know, diverse workforces typically perform better or more innovative, generate higher profitability. What can businesses do to improve gender diversity and overall performance? Our guest today has dedicated her entire career to supporting and empowering women. As a founder and CEO of the Female Quotient, Shelly Zalis has worked to unite leaders across industries to advance equality and close the gaps that hold women back in the workplaces. She writes a column for Forbes, she's a member of the Washington Speakers Bureau and mentors many women to help them reach the next level in their careers. Welcome to the Trust Corner, Shelly.
1: Gosh, I'm so thrilled to be here and um, SAP is a trust partner of ours and I'm so grateful to be
0: on the podcast with you. Thank you, we're so excited to hear that. So tell us what inspired you to start the Female quotient.
1: Well, you know what, it really kind of happened by accident and so I say we went from a moment to a movement I was an only and a lonely, Um, I was the only female CEO top 25 in market research, and it was that one day where I wanted to go to CES, which is the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas, and as a researcher um, going into technology, um, I heard there was about 150,000 people at the Consumer Electronics Show and less than 3% women and I I didn't want to go by myself. So I called about five girlfriends and I said, would you walk the the floor with me in Vegas? And if you know other girlfriends, please invite them. And 24 hours later, 50 women showed up and we walked the floor and two remarkable things happened. One, every single guy's head turned when they saw a pack of 50 women walk the floor. And it was was pretty crazy. And I coined the phrase power of the pack. A woman alone has power, collectively, we have impact. And the second was I just felt surrounded by all these women just like me. We talked about work life balance, imposter syndrome, and also amazing deals were done. We all had power of the purse. You know, we all were power women with lots of money to spend, and we started doing deals together and 50 women turned into 100 and the next day we had the penthouse suite and we were 350 women and we I called it the girls lounge. The opposite of boy is girl, the opposite of club is lounge. So if there's a boys club now there was a girls lounge. And 7 years later, you know, we connected over 750,000 women across 100 countries and it really turned into this space, this safe space that women all of a sudden we're supporting other women, you know, because historically there was such a scarcity of jobs at the top. Women were competitive with one another. And I wanted to be create the space that women would support other women. And we know that Madeleine Albright says that women that don't support other women deserve a place in hell. And I say that women that support other, other women deserve a place in heaven. And that's really what happened. Women started supporting other women. And we know the benefits that that happen when 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 women support other women. So the girls lounge became a household phenomenon. And once women started supporting other women, I took out the word girl and called it equality. And now they're called equality lounges and they're pop-up spaces at big industry conferences where conscious leaders come, men and women. And it's supported by amazing Fortune 500 companies like SAP. And it's the place where we all gather to change the equation and close the gaps. And we do over 70 pop-up lounges at big industry conferences across every equation from technology to marketing, to media, to even places like the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland.
0: Well, that's very impressive, Shelly. You know, you described how you scaled it from the moment to the movement. And of course, uh, the just the momentum and the scale Um, is amazing. Um, Could you share how do you work with businesses to close the gaps in gender diversity? You covered a little bit uh, with some of the work that you've done with the lounges, but we would like to absolutely know more. And specifically, what do you think were the lessons learned um, that, that we can, as businesses, can take forward?
1: Thank you. So we are powered by collaboration. So today, the female quotient and the name, the female quotient, which is The umbrella name of our company. Um, The name actually also came within a second. You know, we talk a lot about IQ, the intelligent quotient. Um, We talk a lot about EQ, the emotional quotient. So I thought first came IQ, the emotional, the intelligence quotient. Then came EQ, the emotional quotient. Now comes FQ, the female quotient. When you add women to any equation, there's a return on equality. And that's really how the name came about. And so our company, the female quotient, does four things today. One, we have our equality lounges, which is our signature, which is what companies come together to support. It's a sort of like a sponsorship model. It's the power of collaboration, where together we really work together to share the good, bad, and the ugly. We talk about solutions for change, and it's all about proactive solutions for change, where it's a collaborative effort. It's the one thing that companies will work together on is to change the equation for return on equality. And we have over 75 Fortune 500 companies Working together to create these equality lounges at big industry conferences from CES to Can Lions to the World Economic Forum and everything in between. You know, we go to the WNBA, we go to um, uh, NFL, you know, we're all over the world. Um, the second thing that we do is advise Fortune 500 companies. So we have an advisory practice. We also are launching FQ talent, so bringing visibility to women doing remarkable things because women really are doing great things, but they never get the support that they need. So, really, you know, bringing the FQ talent practice to the table. And then our FQ content business, FQ media. So, we're really in four. Um, big areas right now so that we can close the gaps across the board of where we really believe we can play an instrumental role in changing the equation and closing the gender gaps. And that's really where we find our greatest um, service that we can provide in, in Fortune
0: 500. It's great to see so many companies leaning in. The mission, Shelly, and thank you for the work um, that that your team and you're leading in that space. What do you think companies may still be overlooking or mishandling, potentially to the detriment of advancing women in the workplace? Workplace, uh, we still see so many numbers that show it's going to take decades for women to reach an equal place in the workplaces. Uh, so, what do you think companies may be not doing exactly right?
1: You know, I, it, it's really crazy because you know we always talk about unconscious bias. And I always say, if you use the word unconscious, you're conscious, right? And so I think one of the things that we are very um, instrumental in doing is making companies aware. And once you're aware, you have a choice. Do you wanna do something about it or not? Because everything is choice. You have a choice. It's really not very complicated. And so I, I just wrote an op-ed piece that hopefully will be in either Wall Street Journal or New York Times because I really do think it's just about consciousness and it does require the CEO to mandate the The decisions and then have the teams implement. And, you know, the World Economic Forum just came out with their latest gender equity report. And to close the gender equity gap, it says it'll take 132 years. 132 years. So my op ed piece opens with the question where will you be in 132 years? And it ends with the line, it doesn't take a rocket scientist, it takes a moonshot mindset. And when you think about it, we know the data. You know, gender equity has four dimensions, health, education, um, government, and economics. Those are the four dimensions of the gender equity report. The economics is wage gap. We know the data. We see the data. Women are making, on average, 80 cents on the dollar. Black women, 64 cents on the dollar. Latinas, 53 cents on the dollar. Every Fortune 500 CEO has the data in front of their faces. They have a choice. Do you want to pay Sally the same as Peter? It will not take 132 years to figure out how to cut the check. The same, equal pay for equal work. It does not take a rocket scientist to figure that out. It just takes choice. When Kennedy decided to send men to the moon, even though it should be women too, we just need spacesuits that fit women, it took less than 10 years to send men to the moon. When we had a global pandemic, it took less than one year to create a vaccine. When we wanted electric vehicles, we have self driving cars that know when the lights turn green or red, and we can predict traffic patterns. It is not very difficult to figure out how to get women in leadership positions and how to get women in, of color on boards. It just Take the will, because there is definitely a way. And I believe we can close the gap in less than five years, not 132. So I don't believe that companies are doing anything wrong. All I believe is it takes making it a priority. That's all, a priority. And when we make it a priority and actually put the budget to it, the resources to it, and put it at the top of the list, the people are there. All we need is to put an equality mindset to the top of the list. And I guarantee you, we can close the gender equity gap in less than five years. And what it will take is ensuring that the future workforce And that women will become the priority. And what that will require is ensuring that caregivers, which is where we are losing our greatest leaders, because caregiving is still predominantly a women's issue and a women's responsibility, we are losing our greatest leaders to caregiving, which is middle management, which is the messy middle. That's what it'll take.
0: Yeah, thank you Shah, that's amazing. Uh, We do agree that, you know, with the choice and with the right mindset, it should not be a rocket science as a team that has achieved a 50-50 gender split, we definitely know that it's achievable and it's doable. You know, giving the opportunity to employees, challenging them, and maybe seeing if they will surprise their own managers are just some of the things that we saw work. And we thank you for sharing that uh, perspective. It should not take 130 years for sure. Um, Shelly, just going back to the present moment, we we still see that at the earlier stages of the career, a lot of companies recruit approximately equal number of men and women into the jobs. But then at some point, the attrition starts to happen. And what do you think women might be leaving the tech sector or banking sector or other sectors at a higher rate than men?
1: Yeah, you know, we find that, you know, exactly as you said, Elena, we start at about 50-50, we end at about 17% in in senior levels. We lose women in middle management, which we call the messy middle. It's where they're gaining more responsibility at work, more responsibility at home, caregiving, which is the invisible work, which we need to make, of course, way more visible. Um, And it it becomes a big problem. And of course, during the pandemic, we have talked a lot about what we're and we're reading a lot about the Great Resignation, um, which we do need to reverse this trend and and you know create this great reimagination, which I think is a great moment or a great opportunity in time to rethink um, some some big moments which we can talk about. But um, it is a big a big issue in every sector um, and. A, a big problem. So I, I think caregiving is the biggest the biggest problem which we do need to solve and I think that there are some solutions that we can put in place and I think this is our moment, which I'm coining a new phrase called the flipping point. I think this is a flipping point moment that we can um, reinvent. it's a it's a, a great moment for reinvention. Um, but that is why we are losing so many women. Uh, to caregiving, um, and to other opportunities, especially to um, entrepreneurship, you know, a lot of women leaving to start their own businesses so that they can write their own rules. Um, I, I think that's why I think that's the, the biggest problem right now.
0: Yeah, exactly. We have to, you know, fix the uh, messy middle, you know, and see where where this, um how can we increase more women at the top and help them advance? Shelly, what is your view? How important is mentoring for retaining female talent in tech? Uh, what would good mentoring look like? And are role models actually an effective tool?
1: Well, I, I think, first of all, you know, I'm the co-founder of See Her. If you can see her, you can be her. So I think that representation and reflection is very important so i think that you know that whole um imposter syndrome you know if if there's a job requirement that requires 10 10 things or 10 skills if a a guy can do six out of 10 they're like yep i got this and if a woman doesn't think she could do 10 out of 10 she opts out you know she has that voice in her head that says i i'm not qualified And, you know, a man ignores that voice and a woman, you know, lets that voice get louder. So the first thing a woman needs to learn how to do is shut that voice up in her head and, you know, fake it till she makes it because guys do that. You know, nobody can do 10 out of 10 things. So, you know, that's the first piece of advice. But second, I think mentorship, I believe in mentorship in the moment. You learn bits and bytes of advice from so many different people, top down, bottom up and all around. The whole concept of sponsorship. We're working on a new concept called proximityship, because there's so much bias in sponsorship, where it's you know the person at the top pulls up the person that looks like them, sounds like them, talks like them, comes from the same background, etc. We are working on a whole new concept that flips the model on its head, where instead of the top, uh, the top tier pulls someone up. We are building a whole new model where the bottom pulls the person that they want to see them gets to pull the person. Um, So we're flipping it where it takes the bias out of sponsorship and it's called proximity ship, which we think will go a long way to um, letting others see them versus letting people pull from the top down. We're letting the down pull, pull up. So I think that will will um, let the underrepresented um, be seen. So I, I think that's a, a pretty good idea. Um, so I, I think that that's gonna go a long way to equalizing and leveling the playing field.
0: Very interesting. So Shelley, when, um, when young people choose companies to work for, would you say that the choice made by women and men is driven by the same incentives or are those incentives in any way different from boys and girls? And how does that change throughout the career? Maybe for someone who's a manager and who has a diverse team, or this is something they, sh- they should be uh, bearing in their mind. What would you say um, around just the priorities and the choice of companies?
1: Well, first of all, I think the hiring process needs to evolve. Um, So I don't think things need to be, I don't, I don't think anything was done that was bad, but I think that it's time, as I said, for everything to evolve because, you know, the world has changed a lot and it is a great opportunity to rethink things. And so one, I'd like to see job descriptions evolve where we use more feminine qualities versus terminology like aggressive, assertive, because a lot of women um, don't think of themselves that way, especially in the tech fields. So words like collaborative and emotive and empathetic, and I think that'll go a long way towards team building and a more collaborative workplace and workforce and, um, you know, help a lot um, in terms of culture and a culture of belonging. So number one, number two, I think that we need to start recruiting more for um, hybrid and flexible um, schedules so that women aren't the only ones opting in for flexibility. We should not have exceptions. Whatever we create for flexibility needs to be uh, for men and women alike, no exception, so that women aren't the only ones taking the flexible schedules so that they are not biased in the um, how many days a week people are working, number two. I think number three, um, the hiring manager, the recruiting manager, we need to have diversity in the recruiting manager and diversity in the hiring manager so that um, we don't have bias in and and bias out, you know, so because, you know, you need the one-two punch because oftentimes we have the, diversity in the pool, in the recruiting, but then when it comes to the hiring manager, we don't have diversity. So people say, oh, we had a diverse team pool coming in, but then the hiring manager wasn't diverse. So we end up still with a lack of diversity. So I think those are all very important. When it comes to the types of male, female um, jobs, women tend to take jobs for the long term. And so they sort of settle when it comes to what salary or what job, they tend to negotiate their job down. Men tend to um, job switch way more often. And so they're much more aggressive in what they're looking for because women tend to wanna stay put, right? when they're accepting a job. So there's a lot of, in women's minds, what they're looking for when they tend to accept a job offer. And we know how women are negotiating for themselves and they're not as great negotiators. And so women bias themselves, which is very interesting. And they, they're not as aggressive in their negotiation which is where a lot of the salary, when there's no set negotiation, women will never negotiate for themselves. They don't do a great job. And so that's where sometimes the pay negotiations come in as well and we see the wage gaps um, kick in. So a lot of the new legislation will help a lot if it gets enforced.
0: Sure. Yeah, women, have a bias for themselves. But as you said, there there is time for everything to evolve. Uh, there's time for us to rethink the old practices and be more collaborative and empathetic. Uh, from the SAP perspective, coming out of the pandemic, we definitely took a lot of took on a lot of those lessons learned. We've introduced flexible work ske- schedules, flexible work arrangement. Um, we are experimenting with the new hiring practices. And we are definitely changing the work place uh coming out of the pandemic would you say the pandemic affected the progress and the priorities of women in tech and are managers more aware of the changing priorities now that we all had to work from home for such a long time
1: you know I I have not seen I mean in terms of the gaps um pre-pandemic and whether I don't know if we're out of the pandemic or not um, the gaps have not closed they actually have widened a bit The pay gap has widened a bit. It has not narrowed. The um, diversity gap has not um, closed. As a matter of fact, it has widened a bit. Um, And the microaggression gap has gone backwards. Um, So we have not, I have not seen much improvement um, at all. And I don't think that we have seen. Um, Changes, even in the hiring practices, the things that we do need to be careful with and you know I can put this into some buckets referral hiring. We need to be very careful with because that leads to a narrow pipeline of candidates with similar backgrounds so companies need to get rid of that referral hiring, you know that makes zero sense. Subjective evaluation criteria, you know, opens doors to biases. During performance evaluations, we need to be, we need to get rid of these things right away. You know, so like, let's just wipe these things out. Like, I, like that should disappear. Um, the lack of transparency and accountability in decisions will always lead to unfairness of who gets rewarded. Like, there's some basic things that companies should just get rid of immediately, right? What new things get put into the, um, the decision-making, I still have not seen companies release the new process and procedures, but what has been done, we should wipe out immediately. We know those don't work. Mm -hmm. Like I haven't seen a list of things people are not going to do anymore. Those should be obvious. Like, you know, we, we, we know what doesn't work.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So there's still a long way to go for sure. Um, Shelly, and you mentioned before that women themselves need to learn how to turn up that negative voice in their head and how to negotiate for themselves. Is there anything that um, women... Can do differently and and also what can tech companies or other companies and I'm, I'm saying tech because this is our sector, but maybe companies in the other sectors can do uh, specifically, uh, you know in the short term around improving equality in the workplace?
1: Well, for women, you know ask ask for what you're worth, number one. and you know, I don't want to say, Think like a man because I want women to think like a woman, and but in your in your head, I'm saying act like a man, and a man would not um, question themselves. So you know, really believe in you, and truly know that. Just add some zeros, you know. Just know your value, know your worth and know how important it is to believe in yourself and I think that um you know my entire career I had to and I I guess I'll just give the advice that I gave myself which is follow your heart and it will take you down the right path right or wrong your heart ba-boom 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 you can't you can't um disagree with your heart because it's going to take you there. So follow your heart. It will take you where you need to go. So I, I, that's my best advice for women, follow your heart because it leads you in the right direction. Um, So that's my best advice for women. And um, for tech companies, I think that you said it best. It's, it's the trust factor. I would trust women because women are moms women have that maternal instinct, whether you're a mother or not, it's that maternal instinct. And, uh, you know, there's the heart and the head. The head is the cognitive, it's the left brain, it will rationalize, but the heart is the empathetic piece. And it's that trust piece, trust your heart. So it's it's the trust corner, you know, stick with SAA, stick with the trust corner and (laughs) It's I always say when purpose meets passion, you're unstoppable. And that's where you go. You know, when you love what you do, it's called passion. when you don't, it's called stress. And for me, it's it's follow your passion because it'll it'll take you
0: where you need to go. And I'm curious if you uh, could share of any examples where you think um a woman could truly follow her heart or even a company that's doing things. Right. In in your assessment, is there any example that we could cite for our listeners?
1: Listen, for me, it's all about purpose and passion, truthfully, and transparency. I think that I, I, I can't cite one company because I really do believe in today's day and age. It's going to be companies with conscious leadership that listen to hear and value people. And oh, I'll, I'll give it three Ps. People, purpose, passion. Mm-hmm. And I think that people have to be at the nucleus. And this is, you know, something I talk a lot about. And, you know, so many companies do exit interviews. And they talk to their employees when they're leaving. And and, and they care more about their employees that left. Look within. Trust your people. Care about your people that are there, that are making your business run, and that are staying with you, and that are true to who they are, and that care about your business. Ask them what they want. Ask them what they need. Ask them what they care about and then deliver for them because that's what matters. Happy employees will deliver the bottom line for you and they will deliver true shareholder value. That is the essence of everything that matters for your business. They are your most important customer.
0: They are indeed, um, Shelly. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. You know, I was going to ask a question around um, what advice you would give for um, a women who are just uh, starting in the field but then i thought i would also want to ask you um, for advice or perspective for women who may be switching careers from other fields and want to enter a new um, uh, domain or women who took a break and are trying to re-enter the workforce what what you you really shared so many great um, uh, strategies that women can follow but if you were to summarize for all these different uh, groups of people who may be uh, interested or who are listening to our podcast, what advice would you give to them?
1: Find find friends at work. I think the you know most important um, thing to have at work are friends, and it doesn't have to be you know friend is a a very um, loose word. They don't need to be your best friend that knows everything about your personal life, but A new word for colleague is just a friend in any division, in any group, is make friends. Pick up the phone, reach out to people, have Zoom calls, but have connections to people that you work with in different divisions. Don't wait for people to find you, but I think the the most important um, success that you will have inside of a company isn't about the work. It's about the connections and the relationships that you have will define the quality of your output. And I think that that don't wait for people to find you, reach out and find people. And I think those relationships will help you find your passion, your purpose, and the people. And, you know, sometimes people wait to be told what to do in in the quote-unquote job, but I have never waited. Reach out and make your own happiness. You know, happiness doesn't find you. You have to make your own bed, you know? So make your own bed.
0: Make your own bed and find friends at work or find friends where you might be wanting to switch to, right? Or if you're trying to re-enter the workforce or have your eyes on a specific company, just try to find friends there and see what they might be doing at the moment. Make Um, it
1: cozy, make make it cozy. Wherever you are, wherever you wanna go, make it comfortable. Comfortable doesn't just happen. You know, people always like blame things on other people. Oh, I don't like my boss, so I'm not happy here. Well, you know, one person doesn't define your happiness. You have to make yourself happy. You have to figure out how to make your job work. Your boss isn't going to make it work for you. You have to make it work for yourself. You know, don't blame other people. Figure it out. You know, I always, no matter what my job was, I made it fun. You can always make things fun. Play a game, make it a game because there's always a value. You're always going to learn something. No matter what the task is, it's gonna be worth it in the long run. And later in life, you're gonna say, wow, whatever it was that I did in my earlier career or whatever, it's wax on, wax off. If you haven't seen Karate Kid, watch the first Karate Kid where um, the young little boy had to wash a car and he was really pissed off that his teacher made him wash a car and he said to Mr. Miyaki, why did I have to wash that car? And then later when he became this karate expert, he realized that when he had to wax the car, when he had to do that motion of wax on, wax off, it was a karate move. And it was because of that, he was a great karate you know expert, wax on, wax off. It was a karate move. There's always something you learn, regardless of what that task was, and you might've hated it at the time, It's a valuable lesson later in life. I have a no regret policy. I never wanna look back and say shoulda, woulda, coulda. So I always think forward and say, well, I feel bad about doing this decision. And if the answer is yes, I don't do it. I always think forward in the decisions that I make. And so find the fun and make it fun. Because later in life, you're gonna say, wow, I'm so happy I did this or I didn't do this.
0: Yeah, make it fun. And as Shelly as we discussed, there are many steps that companies and industries can still take uh, in the direction of gender equality. But for our listeners, I think you really highlighted many steps that they can take on their own without necessarily waiting for someone else to change it for them and waiting uh, for the environment to change this so there's still a lot of things they can do and we very much look forward to working together to helping narrow the gender gaps so that it doesn't take that many decades um, and we thank you so much for joining us at the trust corner today
1: so thrilled to be here and i'm ready to take steps forward with you every step forward is a great step in the right direction
0: amazing thank you Shelley.